All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and I will be continuing our teaching this morning on such a great salvation, and more specifically, we'll be talking about healing again this morning as we are talking into the ministry. I'll explain that more again in just a few moments. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. <coughs> Excuse me. We also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us for their tithes and offerings. In case you wonder how to do so, you can simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. You go to the top right corner, it's highlighted blue where it says give, and then uh, you can give them anywhere around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your check payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom of every page on our website, again, is our address, and you can mail that to us uh, um, that way. If you're in the United States, we also, just so you know, we are, all your tax donations are 100% tax deductible, as we are a 501c3 church. And also, if you're in the United States, I just want to say happy Independence Day, as we are uh, Independence Weekend, uh, July 4th is tomorrow. And so we are celebrating our, uh, the birth uh, and anniversary of our country. And so the freedom that we have in God we trust. So anyway, uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into the message this morning. As I have a lot to cover in this series and this teaching this morning. So let me just give a brief recap of what I've been doing the last several weeks. I think we are actually in week 18 of this entire series on such a great salvation. I still have a few more weeks to go. Okay, and we started this whole series off by talking about what salvation is. Salvation is a gift. It's not something you can earn. It's a gift from God. Okay, it's, and we put faith in that gift. We put faith in that grace. It's not faith alone. It's not grace alone. It's faith. We are saved by grace through faith. If you don't have grace, you have nothing to put faith into. And if you don't have faith, you have nothing that is going to apply to receive the grace that he's given to us. By definition, the word salvation in both the Hebrew and the Greek, we explain this as both healing, it's wholeness, it's prosperity, it's deliverance, and many other definitions of that uh, word. We talked for an hour about the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation is not going to heaven and avoiding hell. Those are great benefits of our salvation. I'm not watering that down by saying that. I'm just saying the purpose of salvation is a relationship with God. Even if there wasn't a heaven and there wasn't a hell, uh, and there are, but Jesus still would have died on the cross, so we could have a relationship with God. We couldn't have a relationship with God because of sin. And so Jesus died on the cross so we could have that relationship. And one of the benefits of that is that we avoid hell, and we, we don't go to the devil's hell, and we get to be with God face to face in heaven for all eternity. So that's one of the benefits. We talked a couple weeks about the necessity of salvation. And we've been talking about the last several weeks about the benefits of salvation. There are many benefits of salvation, including going to heaven and avoiding hell. But there's also benefits that we've been highlighting in this series based on the definition of what salvation is. We spent four or five weeks talking about the benefits of salvation, how it relates to wholeness. And we are now, I think, in our sixth week talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to healing. We might be in our seventh week. I don't have those numbers in front of me. And then once we're done with this mini-series, I'm going to be talking about the benefits of, of, of salvation as it, re, as it relates to prosperity. <coughs> Excuse me, this is a sore subject for many people they don't because they don't understand it. They throw the baby out with a bath water. 
Are there any wrong teachings on this? Yes. That's why we need to have sound teaching. That's why we need to clear up some things. We want to enjoy all the benefits of our salvation, but we want to do it in the right context of what the Bible calls prosperity, as it relates to the definition of what salvation is. Okay? And so we are talking about the benefits of salvation, and like I said, I've created three mini-series within this uh, series about salvation, one on wholeness, one on healing, and another one on prosperity. And so again, we are in our fifth, sixth, or seventh week on talking about healing. <coughs> and so we are going to continue that teaching. Last week, uh, the last couple weeks, we talked about several hindrances to our salvation. I'm not going to go into those again this morning. You'll have to look at our archives to get those messages. But I, I, I highlight how there's nothing we can do that can cause God to withhold any good thing from us. But there are things we can do that prevent us from receiving the promises and provision of God that he has made through salvation. We look at Malachi in chapter 4, verse 2, where it says, But to you who fear my name, the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness, shall rise with him in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. If you've ever seen a, a stall-fed calf come out, of the, come out of the stall, they pick up the carpet, they are excited, they want... They're running with, they're leaping with joy, okay? And so, uh, and we who fear his name, we who reverence and worship and honor and trust in his name. I have a whole teaching about fearing the name of the Lord uh, that I taught a couple years back. But the side of righteousness uh, shall come with rising with healing in his wings. And we looked at the comparison between the poetic version of what Malachi is saying, S-U-N versus S-O-N. And I believe, again, it was just the, the, the prophet, Malachi, painting a poetic picture for us that have God's love and healing as constant, just like the sun. No matter what we may be, what may be blocking the rays of the sun, S-U-N, the sun is still shining. Even on a rainy day, even in the midst of a hurricane, and, 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 the, and the worst storm you could imagine, the sun is still shining. It's above the clouds. It's, it's constant. It's been constant since God created the sun, and he commanded it by his word for it to shine, and it's been shining ever since. The sun rays are constant, and God's love for us is constant. It never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The tender mercies of God, they are new every morning. His compassion say fell not, and I'm quoting from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. But sometimes we have clouds. Spiritually speaking, in that way, that are blocking the rays of the sun. We have clouds, physically speaking, too. But we also have clouds, emotionally, spiritually speaking, that are blocking the rays of the sun, S-U-N, and even S-O-N. Okay, sometimes we have clouds that are hindering us from receiving the sun rays. In uh, the last week, I, I began to talk about the differences between God giving something and, God, and us receiving something. We look at our main text for this context. It's from James 1, 1 5, and 6. <coughs> excuse me. And, and if any of you, excuse me for a second, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Twice in this verse, God said, He will give. If we ask, He will give. Do you need wisdom about your finances? Ask. Do you need wisdom about healing and how it works? Ask. Do you need wisdom about relationships? Ask. 
Whatever you need wisdom, he says he will give it to you. If I lack wisdom, I just have to ask and it will be given. He says it twice in one verse. Whatever is broken in your life, God is eager to fix it. We just have to ask. Do you need wisdom on a cloud that is in your life? One of the clouds that we talked about over the last couple weeks. Just ask. God wants to show it to you. God wants to show you the problem. God wants to show you, more importantly, the solution. Sometimes we, we spend all day looking at the problem. You know there's doctors out there. They can diagnose the problem, but they can't give you an answer. They can't give you a cure. And, and sometimes we need to realize there is a problem. You know, you, you don't want to be the guy with the axe head who lost the axe head and keep not chopping at the tree with the, just a stick. You want to realize you've lost, something's been lost, something's missing, something's broken. There's importance to that. But we, more importantly, we need to focus on the answer. Okay, we need to realize there's a problem. We need to realize it's not working. We need to realize uh, something's blocking the sun. But we need to, to evaporate those clouds. We need to move those clouds. And we need to see the sun so we can have healing, healing in his wings. Is something hindering God's healing in your life? You need to ask. Find out what the problem is. You know the problem's not God. You know the problem's not his word. The problem is us. Most of us don't like to fill, swallow that pill. But God's not the one stuck. God's not the one sick. God's provided provision through Jesus Christ. We need to figure out how to get it. How do we receive what he's provided? God wants to show it to you. God wants to heal you. <coughs> Excuse me again. God, is it something that's hindering provision and finances in your life? Blessing on your business or your family or whatever the work of your hands. Because he says in Psalm 90 verse 17, I will bless the work of your hands. Yes, I will bless the work of your hands. Just ask, what's blocking? What's hindering? What's blocking? Maybe it, it could be a lot of different reasons, okay? But just ask. God wants to show it to you. God wants to help you fix it. Sometimes we just have a lack of knowledge. Grace answers the question. The, the answer is on the shelf. It's free. Just receive it. Just go get it. <coughs> but religion says this. If nothing happens, well, it's God's God's the one withholding the view. God's the one that put the sickness on you. God's the one that's making you go through all this uh, this pain and this lack. Instead of something we need to do, something we need to change in our belief system, something we need to focus on. James says this, let him ask with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and stable in all of his ways. God, in this passage of Scripture, verses 6 to 8, God never said he wouldn't give. He said it twice. He wouldn't give in verse 5. God said we wouldn't receive it. He said twice that he would give it if we asked. But he said if we are doubting in our giving, that we won't receive it. The problem is God. The problem is with our receiver. There's, there, you know, there's, there's all kinds of radio waves going on in this house, in this room, all across the world. There's, there's, there's from cell phones to TV to satellites, all, all kinds of radio waves. They're, they're all over the place. But until you have a proper receiver, like a cell phone, or a TV, or internet, or Wi-Fi, or whatever the, the device may be, you can't receive those waves. The problem is not with this, with all the that technology and the waves that are flowing through the earth and through the world right now. We need to learn how to receive. We need to get a right receiver. 
maybe our, maybe our battery, our phone's not charged. Maybe we're not plugged in, you know, into the power source. But it, it's not the the internet's fault in a sense. They might have a faulty device, but it's not their fault. We we need to learn how to receive. Okay, and so we need to learn how to receive. Excuse me, the goodness of God. We need to learn how to receive and the benefits of the salvation that God has given us. We need to learn how to yield to the goodness of God. We need to learn how to trust in the goodness of God. We need to learn how to accept the goodness of God. We need to learn to accept things like healing, finances, provision, which we'll be talking later, and then our wisdom and our marriages, relationships, and more. I can talk about more things that we need to learn how to receive from God that He's already provided to us. In Jesus Christ. You know there's over 300 scriptures in the New Testament about who we are in Christ. We have a lot, so many things in Christ. Okay? And we need to know how to receive those things. God is not holding back by not giving. We need to learn how to receive the goodness of God in every area of our lives. Many of us are waiting on God to give when God is waiting on us to receive. Okay? I'm, I'm not saying this to condemn any I'm not saying this to get on our case. I'm, but there is a major adjustment in most of our our hearts and our lives. I teach this, but I still have adjustments I have to work on. I'm not doing this perfectly. I'm not walking in this perfectly. My life would be totally different if it was. But, you see, this will change how most of us pray. This will change how most of us walk with God and how we relate to God. This will change how much we relate to the promises of God and His Word. For example, I'm already forgiven through the cross of Jesus Christ. I give you tons of scriptures on that. I've taught on this at length through the last seven, almost eight years of this ministry. We're in July. We're, going, we're getting ready for our eight-year anniversary here at the church. It just, it just, I just need to learn how to receive when I mess up. Okay? I'm already healed. But I just need to learn to receive when I'm battling a sickness or a disease or COVID is going around or any other type of season that the people have called flu season or not. I haven't participated in flu season since 2009. I haven't participated with the common cold in 2009. I have this little cough that a lot of you see, as long as it has my asthma. And that's where I still need to walk this through and, and use my authority, and I'll get to that later. But I'm already blessed. I'm already blessed financially. But I need to learn how to receive when I don't feel it, when I don't see it in the bank or whatnot. <coughs> so we were talking last week and this week about the difference between God giving something and us receiving something. Receiving what He's given. And I want to learn how to receive our healing. I want you to learn how to receive your healing. I could change the subject and talk about prosperity finances, which I will in a few weeks. But I said, so the same, the same message applies when we're talking about healing our finances. We just change the subject matter. But the same principles apply to both. Okay? By his stripes, we are healed. I've given you three scriptures over the last several weeks that specifically said that. Uh, Isaiah prophesied it. Peter echoed it. And so did Jesus in the book of Matthew. And, G and I talked about this in weeks weeks prior, in the book of Matthew, Jesus said, Matthew says that what Isaiah said is not talking about spiritual healing, it's talking about physical healing. Because in the context, the 16 verses prior to that, the whole context was about him healing people. 
He healed the, uh, the, the leper. He healed the centurion. He healed, healed Peter's mother-in-law. And he healed many others. And then he, he, he concludes that by, by, by quoting Isaiah chapter 53. And so if Jesus and Matthew said that Isaiah is talking about healing, then I'm going with Jesus and Matthew on, this, on the matter. I've had pastors, I've had pastors call me in their office and say, no, that's about spiritual matters. I'm not talking about physical healing. Well, then Jesus and Matthew got it wrong. And I'm not with that, okay? This is, this, this, this is the giving side. The giving side is that, that by his stripes we're healed. Okay? God's already given his healing through Jesus Christ. He's already been stripped. He's not going to be going to the cross and be stripped for your healing. Again, he's already been wounded. He's already been chastised for our peace. This is the grace side. Okay? But receiving is the faith side. It's grace through faith. God provided healing. Now we need to receive it by faith. How did you get saved? You, you didn't do anything to get saved. You just heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and you received Jesus. You received it by faith. That's the same way that we receive healing. The exact same way. Jesus said to the man, what, he said to the crowd, which is easier to do, to forgive a man of his sins, or to say to this man, rise and walk. And Jesus answered just the same. And he said that, he, that, that story is echoed in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we have covered that story over the last several weeks. Last week I ended on the basis of the centurion. I didn't quite finish that, so I want to go back to that again this week, uh, and then we'll go for new territory. So let's recap some of this that we, we, we've looked at, and in some ways I'll reteach this uh, from last week. The faith of the centurion, I believe, is lacking in the body of Christ. Okay? And that's not a put-down. This is encouraging. Paul says in uh, 1 Thessalonians 3.10, I come to supply that which is lacking in your faith. When I say your faith, I'm talking about me too. There's things that are lacking in my faith as well. Okay? The faith of the centurion is lacking in the good Christian people's understanding. I said good Christian people. I'm not talking about those who are not interested. See, other people, they, won't, they're not get, they will not get anything I have to say. They turn me off after week one. <laughs> okay? They turned me off years ago, some of them. They have been mad. Since I said it's God's will to heal. They're religious and they are hung up on the man's words of wisdom and traditions. I'm not talking about that. I'm, if, if they're here, I, I doubt any of those people are still here. If you've been listening to me for 18 weeks on this thing, okay, I'm talking to those who are really love Jesus, who want to learn and want to change and, and deal with any cloud in their lives. Anything that's blocking the sun, anything that's blocking my healing. In my answer to my prayer. You know, really, this whole teaching can be about how God answers prayer. Not just healing. Okay? Want to, I'm talking to those who really want to get closer to God and want to receive of God's goodness. Who want to get healed. Who want to minister healing to others. Okay? And this is where it's at. I believe in the faith of Centurion, who is one of our prime examples of how uh, we receive healing. So let's go back to Matthew 8, chapter 8. There's a couple different versions of this in the Gospel letters. And now when Jesus entered Capernaum, the centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, heavily tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Jesus was ready to go. He didn't, he didn't have to pray about it. Why didn't he have, 
well, should we, Pastor, should we pray if God, it's God's will to heal? Well, Jesus didn't. Why didn't Jesus do that? Jesus said, I don't do anything I don't see the Father do. I don't say anything I don't see hear the Father say. Why did Jesus not even fast? Why did Jesus not fast away? Why did Jesus not go to his prayer closet and pray about this? Why did he fast and pray a few days to see if this is God's will? Because he knew that God willed to heal. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. It's God. That's who he is. It's God's will to be true to his own nature, to his own name. Okay? So he was willing to come. Jesus would, he said, my, my servant is ill. Will you come? And Jesus said, let's do it. Let's go. You know? And so verse 8 says, and the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. This is huge. And I'm going to speak of this in just a moment, which I did last week. Let's finish the story. For I also am a man under authority. I'll talk about that again this morning. Having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does that. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that, man, that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who are those? The Jews. That's the heritage. That, that, those are the forefathers of the Jews in the kingdom of heaven. See, this whole thing where he says, I have not found such great faith in even in Israel. That is equivalent to Jesus telling a lost person, I've not seen faith like that in the church. Okay? When he says, I've not seen such great faith even in all of Israel. And he talks about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus marveled. And Jesus only marveled <coughs> a few times. I told you last week there's only two times he's marveled. I found a third one this week. But it had to do with unbelief. When he was in his hometown, he marveled at their unbelief. So there's actually three times. But we have disciples' unbelief. He marveled at the disciples' unbelief on March 6th. We looked at that about three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. And then he marveled, and he marveled at his hometown's unbelief. That that fits in the same category. But it just wasn't his disciples. People who, it wasn't people who were following him. It was people who weren't following him. But both of them had to do with unbelief. And his own disciples had unbelief. He marveled at his own disciples. People, the, the, his truest companions on the earth didn't have unbelief. He marveled at that. But he marveled at the centurion's great faith. So you have his own disciples, unbelief, and you have a, a, a worldly person, a lost person, who's not, he's not even worthy for Jesus to come into his house, has, has faith. This is backwards. You would think the disciples had great faith and the centurion had unbelief. But it was backwards. The disciples had uh, unbelief and the world had great faith. And God, Jesus, marveled. And God's going to marvel at something today. He's either going to marvel at your great faith or he's going to marvel at your unbelief. I pray God marvels over my faith, not my unbelief. Okay? Because he's going to marvel either way. Again, he marveled because he, he had great faith. He goes on to say, verse 12, but the sons of the kingdom, he's still talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, will not, will cast out around the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We're not going to get along with that this morning. You know, it's sad because Jesus did make it. 
he marveled at his faith, but he was also saying something about the church. He was saying something about the, the, the Jews. Here was a centurion who had great faith. But here the children of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, did not have great faith. And he was actually rebuking that. And so, you see, because it's sad when the world connects faith to, the, to authority better than the church, better than the children and people of God. Okay? He goes on to say, and then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, as you have believed. That was a common thread that we saw last week. As you believe, so let it be done for you. Jesus was willing to go. Jesus was willing to go lay hands on the servant. But the, the centurion had faith. You just speak the word, it'll be done. They say, Jesus is a trip. Jesus was willing to go. But he said, well, that's where your faith is, and that's where you're gonna, how you're going to receive it. I'll just speak the word, and your servant will be healed. I'm willing to go, but I'm gonna, I ain't going to capitalize on where your faith is. Your faith means I don't even have to, to show up physically. I can just speak the word because you understand authority. He said, and his servant was healed that same hour. It didn't say, uh, according to the will of God, if it God willed, your servant will be healed. No. He said, according to your faith, it will be done according to your faith. That's what it says. I need to follow my slides. Okay? See, the, I, I said this last week. The centurion understood Jesus was not here on his own. The father sent him. He understood that. The world understood that. Okay? And Jesus, he understood Jesus is under authority, and he understood how authority works. He gave an example of his, how he's a, a man of authority, under authority, and he has authority. Okay? Jesus had authority from his father, and he understood that. Okay? And if he, he understands, if he exercised that authority, what would take place? He knew if Jesus just said the word, healing would bow. He understood that healing was subject to what Jesus had authority to do. Okay? He understood that. And he understood the one who was over him would back it up. Any police officer knows that if he follows what he's sworn to do, the police force and the court system will back him up. He might get investigated to make sure everything went through protocol, but if he did everything right, the, the department, the law, will back him up because he obeyed the law. If he breaks the law, if he, went, if he took justice in his own hands, he won't answer to the same law that he's, he's sworn to enforce. The centurion understood Jesus was under authority. The centurion understood Jesus had authority to execute authority. Just like he had authority. The centurion was under authority, Caesar, ultimately. And he also has understood that he had authority to execute as well. Okay? Example I gave last week, a stop sign. A stop sign has never stopped anybody. Okay? Why do we stop? Because we... The stop sign has authority. And the stop sign, understand, you know there are authorities who will back at that stop sign. They have a, usually a red and blue light. And they will give you a piece of paper and with a fine. In extreme cases, it could even get worse, depending on how, how, uh, how you violate that stop sign. The stop sign has never stopped anybody. It doesn't have the capacity to stop anybody. But it has authority. It's been put there by authority. And it has authority that will back it up if you violate its presence. 
Now God, who is sovereign, has delegated authority to us to heal. He's an authority, and he's given us authority. Go heal the sick. He, he told, excuse me, he commissioned the 12 to go heal the sick. He commissioned the 70 to go heal the sick. And I can show you Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he's commissioned the church, <coughs> excuse me, to go heal the sick. He never commissioned the church to go pray for the sick. He told us to go heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. There's a difference. You're like, well, I can't heal anybody. Where's Jesus? Is he there or here? Or is he also inside of you? Paul says, I'm crucified. Christ is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I'm not the source to heal people, but the source who heals people is not only in me, he has told me, go heal the sick. He didn't say go pray for them. I'm not against prayer in and of itself. But let's listen to what Jesus has said. He told us to go do something. He didn't tell us to go pray to him to go do something. He told us to go do something. A police officer, when he's commissioned to go do his job, he doesn't have to call in every time he sees someone breaking a stop sign, going to the stop sign, Sarge! Someone just went to the stop sign on Main Street. Can I pull him over? Can I give him a ticket? No, he's already been sworn. He's already been commissioned to go do his job. Go enforce the law. Go be a peace officer. Go be a law enforcement officer. He's, he has a job to do. Okay? He won't have a job very long if he calls in every time to, to see if he can uh, enforce the law. No, he's, he's been sworn to enforce the law. Through Christ, God has already released the power to heal. The power is not us. The power is in the gospel. The power is in Jesus. The power is in what Jesus did in the cross. And now we have to exercise authority to implement it in people's lives. God has already given the power to heal. We now have to exercise that authority to implement healing and wholeness and prosperity in people's lives. Okay? I don't pray for God to heal. Why? That sounds sacrilegious to some people. Because I have confidence that if I ask anything according to his will, he heals me, hears me, and I have the petitions that I desire of him. I don't pray for God to heal. Instead, I, pray, I go and say, Lord, I thank you that through Jesus, you died for my sins. You paid by your stripes for healed. I'm not necessarily reading from what I have on the screen. I'll ask for faith. Lord, I have to thank you that by your stripes, we are healed. And I'll go and say, Lord, healing is our inheritance. It's our promise through the cross. And by the grace of God, you have already given healing to so-and-so. And now I rebuke the sickness in the name of Jesus. I rebuke COVID. I rebuke the flu. I rebuke cancer. I rebuke the broken leg or whatever's going on. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And I command the devil to bow his knee. I command sickness and cancer and COVID, whatever his name is, to bow its knee to Jesus. And I command my body or their body to respond to the word of God. Be healed. Be whole. And I say, I usually conclude with Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. You know what amen means? So be it. It's like a judge with his gavel and says, so ordered. 
Amen is not just a nice little cliche. It's not the caboose to our prayer. It means so be it. Okay? And I'm not asking God to do anything. Why? He's already done it. I'm receiving it for myself. I'm receiving it for so-and-so. Okay? I'm using my authority. He has authority. He's given me authority. And he will back it up. Okay? When I pray for you, I don't ask God to heal you. He's already healed you. I command your body to be healed in the name of Jesus. I command your body to respond to the word of God. I command your body to respond to the spirit of God. To the compassion and love of God that I talked about in the weeks prior. I exercise my authority. Okay? Jesus said this in Matthew 16. He said it twice in the book of Matthew. Matthew 16. He said it also again in Matthew 18. I will give the keys of the kingdom. We have the keys of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not here and there. The kingdom of God is within us. And not only do we have the kingdom of God within us, we have the keys. Have you ever had keys to something? That means you have authority to use that or open that door or go in that car or turn that car on or turn that device on or open that. Or maybe you have a password. It's the same thing. That means you have access to whatever that password gives you access to. We have the keys of the kingdom and whatever we buy, not him, Whatever you bind will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose will be loosed in heaven. He echoes the same thing in two chapters later. He says, I surely said to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. We're not, we're asking God to bind stuff when he told us to bind it. We're asking God to loose stuff when he told us to loose stuff. He gave us responsibility. He gave us authority. He gave me the keys. You know, I've had many jobs where I've been given the keys. I don't have to call the manager to come open the door when he gave me the keys to open the door. I would look very foolish. I might not even have that job or that position as manager anymore if I called my boss to do something he called, he gave me the key to do. Now, there's some things I couldn't go. I, I've had jobs as a bank. And I, I, I could do certain things in my own till, my own, my own way, but sometimes... Sometimes, some locks in the safe, especially, not only did I have a key, but the boss had a key too, and we had to have both keys to open something. I couldn't go in there by myself. I had half the, and so the boss couldn't go in there by her or his set. We had to go in there together to do the transaction. So sometimes there, there, there's an agreement needed, but my point is, many of us are asking God to heal when he told us. To, we're asking God to bind and to loose things when he told us to go. You have the keys to bind and to loose. So use it. He said in Matthew chapter 10, freely you receive, freely give. In the context that he said, he commissioned the, 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 uh, either the 12 or 70, he when he commissioned 1270, he told them to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, and freely you receive, freely give. I'm paraphrasing. But it was in the context of what I'm just talking, what I'm talking about. And he said, freely you receive, freely give. Our paradigm needs to change from begging God to do things to receiving by faith what God has already done by his grace. Our paradigm needs to change from pleading with God to do things to standing by faith on his word and his promises. 
fighting the good fight of faith. I'm going to get into this a little bit later if I get there far enough today, but some things will be a fight. That doesn't mean it's not God's will. That doesn't mean I don't have authority. That means we have some resistance. Okay? But we have authority. Sometimes cops get resistance. That's why they have some things under a gun belt. One called a gun. They have a taser. They have other things to fight back that resistance. That doesn't mean they don't have authority. That doesn't mean it's not God's will or uh, their job to, to, to bring peace and the resolution to the situation. But they got some resistance. And sometimes we have a fight. And sometimes because we don't see an answer, we don't want well, God's, God's will not to heal. No. You need to take your thumb out of your mouth and, 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 pull, and, and, and exercise your faith. And we're going to get into some things a little bit later. God is not holding back. We need to learn how to receive by faith the goodness of God. If I can't see the sun today, it's still there. It's there in Jesus' name. And I rebuke every cloud in my life to get it out of the way so I can see the sun F-O-N right now. Okay? I need to fight the good fight of faith. There are some clouds, but I'm not just going to stand by. I'm going to see the sun, and it's going to, sun's going to shine through. I'm going to receive my healing. I'm going to receive what God has provided for me by his blood in Jesus' name. Okay? James said, again, going back to James, if you lack wisdom, what's blocking? What's the blocking? What's the resistance? Ask, and he will tell you what the resistance is. Okay? Ask in faith with no doubting. Because if you're doubting, you won't receive anything from God. It's not that he's not getting, you're not receiving. Okay? And I'll be honest. I still miss it from time to time. I've missed it. I've missed it with my hearing. I've missed it with this cough that lingers. I've missed it in some areas. I don't doubt on God giving though. When I, nothing happens, I can't question God why. I just don't question God. He's not the problem. That's the that. I can question why. What's blocking? I can ask for wisdom. What's going on? But I don't question God. He's not the culprit. He's not the problem. God's not the problem. I have to search my own heart. Why? I need God sometimes to reveal it to me. We need, and now I want to switch gears a little bit from last week's lesson that I didn't get to. We need to speak to some mountains versus letting our mountains speak to us. Okay. In Mark 11, there's all new territory right now. <coughs> For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, does not doubt in him, but believes that those things he says, I want to say this again, he believes those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. We have to believe what we say so that we can have what we say. And what are we saying? We are speaking to the mountain, not God. We're not telling God to move the mountain. We're telling the mountain to move. And we need to believe what we say. And to whom we say it. If you have a mountain in your life, you have to speak to it. Cancer be gone. COVID be gone. Sickness be gone. Lack be gone. 
and command it to be removed. It didn't say cry out to God. It didn't say whining to God. Again, many of us are waiting on God regarding the problems in our life when God has already made a provision for that problem through the cross of Jesus Christ. Through the person of Jesus Christ. God is waiting on me to rebuke the mountain, to rebuke COVID, to rebuke the problem. God is waiting on me to exercise authority. Grace is God's end. He's already given it. Faith is my end. I need to receive it. When I don't speak to my mountain, my mountain will begin to talk to me. Has your finances ever talked to you? Has your body ever talked to you? Has your problem ever talked to you? Do you ever worry and fret over your problem day in and day out? Lose sleep over it? Lose peace over it? Lose meals over it? Your problem's talking to you. Okay? My problem starts talking to me. And there's sometimes I just need to tell my problem to shut up. And I need to talk to them. He is Lord, not my problem. He is Lord, not COVID. He, he is Lord, not my finances. He is King. He is Lord, not my insecurities, not my lack. I'm not Lord. I have authority, but He's Lord. He's Lord of Lords. He's King of Kings. Okay? What my mouth says. You're not going to make it. How many of you have a problem? Had a situation, we had a situation a few months ago where we didn't know if we were going to have a home. We were still going to have a church. We didn't know if we were still going to... We had an issue where we had to find a new place to live. And this new place to live affected the church, affected our home, affected others, and also affected our business. If we didn't find a home, we could have lost our business, we could have lost the church, we could have lost our own home and sanity, and we could have lost our home for some other people. A lot was at stake. And being the man of the house, I felt the pressure of that. And many times through that season, my problem was saying to me, you're not going to make it. We had eight weeks to find something. We were in our, we were two and a half weeks away from this expiration date coming upon us. And I still didn't have a home. My problem was talking to me. But I was also talking to God. And God was talking to me. And I and we were talking to our problem. Okay. My, our problems can say, it's not going to work for you. I can die every day with my business and different things, even the church at times. I'm just giving you some examples where sometimes my problems talk to me, it's not going to work for you. It worked for so-and-so. It worked for pastor so-and-so. It worked for this business person. It worked for your friends. It worked for your enemies. But it's not going to work for you. Does your problems ever talk to you? Where everyone else is getting answered in prayer for you're not? Is your problem talking to you? Okay? I, I don't think I'm the only one. Sometimes your problem is you're, you made your bed and now lying. The whole reason why you're in this mess because you, 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 you did this, you did this, and you did this. And you might have done this. You might have created the problem. You, may, you might be the main source of the problem. But that doesn't change God's grace. That doesn't change God's mercy. His mercies are new. They are fresh every morning. And even if you made the mess, even if you are the, are the culprit, 
God can change your circumstance around. Your problem will talk to you. Even if you made the mess. But Jesus says, you want to have faith in God? This is how it works. The faith is the centurion. This is how it works. Mark chapter 11. Speak to your mountain. This is how it works. You want faith in God? You've been walking in fear? You've been walking in defeat? You've made your bed? You're lying in it? You want to change your life around? You want to be transformed? You want to get out of the mud and the murk? And you want to get on the rock again? You want to get, you want to get your life back together? You want to start thriving instead of, 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 of striving? This is how it works. Begin to speak to your mountain and command it to be removed. I get a lot of people uh, uh, internationally. They started an orphanage. They started a ministry. Things are going on in their government. Things are going on in the finances. I understand. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's not your fault. Maybe it's the government. I don't care whose fault it is. You have a God. And he reigns. And he can change. Jesus, want, you want to feed the orphanage? You want to feed the multitudes? Jesus did. He actually, when he fed the multitudes of 5,000, 4,000, he told the disciples to feed them. Yes, he does a miracle of how he multiplied the loaves and the fish, but originally, if you read the context in some of the versions, he told his disciples to do it. We can, and he did it twice. Yes, one was 5,000, one was 4,000. Don't get caught up in the, the stats. It, the miracle was very similar. If He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've, seen, I've heard testimonies of God, has a guy in, in, in Costa Rica who wanted to feed the multitudes in his own neighborhood. And he, did, he wanted to feed them soup. He got this huge pot. I mean, it was huge. It was bigger than me. He filled it with water. He had no vegetables. And God began to create potatoes and tomatoes and all other kinds of vegetables in the pot as he was stirring it. God is a God of miracles. And let it be according to your faith. To that man, his faith was to be the multitude. If I just, if I, if I make it, God will fill it. And he did. And he fed not only his family, but he fed many other families with that pot of stew. Okay? Again, what should I say to you? Whoever says to this mountain, but be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done for him, he will have whatever he says. That's faith. That is what faith looks like. It does not matter how many groups mock you about this. It doesn't matter how many people make fun of you regarding this. This is how faith works. Let God be true and every man a liar. You'll have your, crit you'll have your critics. You start walking with God, you will have the critics. Jesus did. You think you're you're not going to have critics? They crucified him. Okay. Anyway, but if you do not doubt, but believe the thing that you say, speak. You don't look foolish speaking to the mountain. No, I look foolish until the rain started. Many people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, go look foolish. Until they saw a fourth man walking in the fire with him. Daniel looked foolish 
until they opened the opened the lion's den, and the next morning he was walking around. Peter looked foolish until he was the only one walking on the water. The disciples were still in the boat. You know, Peter looked foolish casting out the net one more time after he just cleaned the fish, after he fished all that, got nothing. But then he had a boatload of fish. The widow was looked foolish when he, she was gathering all the pots and jars for her neighbors and, and got filled with oil so she could pay off her debts. Elijah looked foolish going to a place called there and God sent the ravens to come and feed him. I can give you example after example how faith will, commit, man, will take risk. And the risk is trusting God. You might look foolish, you might be mocked, but you will prevail. You will never fail trusting God. Jesus says, you want to have faith in God? This is how you do it. This is how it works. Okay? Matthew, he goes on to say, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I love that verse. But this is also subsequent to him saying that we need to speak to the mountains. This is subsequent to him saying we can't doubt when we, we need to believe what we say. Why are we saying it? Because he told us to. We're obeying God. Obeying God takes faith. We're not obeying, we're not putting faith in what we're saying and what we're doing and live up ourselves. We are putting faith in what we're doing because he told us to do it. Ultimately our faith is in him, not us. Understand what I'm saying? We there's a difference between us putting faith in what we're doing because he we're trusting that he told us what he told us to do. We're ultimately trusting him versus we're trusting what we're doing religiously, thinking that we're going to get God to move. Doing what God tells us to do is not going to move God. Doing what God tells us to do is going to move our mountain. God doesn't need to, He's not the one stuck. We are. I'm not doing, I'm not saying these things, I'm not doing these things to impress God. I'm doing these things, saying these things, because my commander-in-chief, my king, my God, my savior, my lord, my helper, my counselor, told me what to do. He told me to cast a net on the other side. He told me to go to the place called there. He told me to, to gather the, 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 jar, the jars and, and stuff of my neighbors so I could pay off my debts. He told me to go do this. He told me to go do that. In Matthew 15, let's give you another example. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the, that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter, is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. Absolutely, it sounds. His disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She's persistent. Disciples are trying to shoo her away. Jesus is ignoring her, so to speak. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Jesus just called her a dog. I don't know about you, but that always, I never understood that growing up. And she said, Yes, Lord. 
She took the she took the rebuke, if you will. And she said, Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And then he answered and said to her, Oh woman, great is your faith. I could just see the smile on his face. Let it be to you as you desire. All the other examples we gave last week and also with the centurion, let it be according to your faith. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. She was asking, she was persistent. He was ignoring her. The disciples were trying to shoo her away. He even said, I'm not, I'm not sent to little dogs. But she, she took that. She even took that and said, Lord, even the little dogs get the crumb. I just need a crumb. I just need a crumb of your presence. I just need a crumb of your word. <coughs> okay? See, a crumb from the Lord's table got her daughter healed. And some of us, Lord, if you just give me a crumb, I'll be happy with that. She was happy with the crumb. She wasn't asking for the whole loaf. She wasn't asking for any favoritism. She just wanted, she knew God's mercy. She seen it, she witnessed it. She wasn't from the tribe of Israel. Whatever the reason was, she asked for a crumb. And this was still Old Testament. Jesus had come to the cross here. But Jesus is the bread of life. At the Lord's table, Paul talks about this in Corinthians, that his bread that was broken, with his, it represents his body that is broken to us. Jesus called himself the bread of life. That gets, goes against anyone who has uh, diets, season bread. Because what part of Jesus are you against? I'll, I'll, I'll get off that treadmill. Let's go back to our story. Then Jesus came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered said, it's not good for to take the little children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. I know we might not totally understand all the story that's going on. But, I again, I just love... Her, I love her response. And I love his response to her faith. Because that's what faith looks like. Faith, faith is like, I am not going to take no for an answer. I am going to receive my healing for me or my daughter or whatever it is. Because I know your grace. I know your nature. I know you might not be sent to me. But, but I'm going to receive. God has been sent to all of, her, all of us. Okay, don't, don't misunderstand that. But faith, I'm just saying, there's a fight to faith. And the fight of faith is not impressing God. The fight of faith, she wasn't fighting to impress Jesus. She wasn't fighting to receive a crumb. If, I, I, if that's all he was going to offer, even if she was, he was going to call her a dog, okay, she'll take the dog syndrome. Okay, Lord, even if I'm a dog, I deserve a crumb from your table. And he saw, he didn't see that as, as defiance. He saw that as faith. Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. You know, this word great, there's a couple different words great. This word great is a different word that's used with the centurion. And I don't have time to go into all the Greek here, but this great is a little different than the other great that he's used in, in, in the 
Greek language, it means mega. Mega. Jesus said her faith was mega. It was huge. Okay? Jesus is the bread of life. And a crumb from the Lord's table was mega. In her life. In Jesus, we have the whole loaf. We have the fullness of God bodily. Of his fullness we have received from grace. The grace, John chapter 1. Ephesians 3, 19, when we know his love that surpasses his understanding, I'm not surpasses knowledge, we might be filled with the fullness of God. We have the full, we have the whole loaf. Okay? And Paul, I may mention this, he may mention this, when I received the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And eat to take eat this is my body which is broken for you. Do this remember of me. I talked about this last two weeks about the lamb that was broken for us. In a sense, the bread that was broken is a crumb. And we can take a crumb from the master's table any time we need. We can come boldly to his son of grace. We can come to his table that spread forth in the presence of our enemies. Not in the absence of our enemies. In the very presence of our enemies. He spread a table for us. And it's called his body. It's called the blood of his covenant. Because the next verse goes in. And then in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying. This cup is a new covenant of my blood. This do it off you do in remembrance of him. When we're going through a trial, when we're going through sickness, we can come to the Lord's table and remember his body that was broken for us. We can remember the blood of his covenant and we can do it in remembrance of him and we can proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Okay? And I'm not going to continue to read this whole context and stay. I've done it over the last couple of weeks. But we need to receive from the Lord and we can receive from him. And come to that table of remembrance to receive of him anytime we need it. I've seen people get healed in the communion service. I've seen people get set free from all kinds of stuff just taking communion. It's not the ordinance. It's the remembrance of him. It's the proclaiming of his death. It's what it means. It's what it represents. It's what we're doing. Not the exercise itself. The exercise is to help us remember. And help us to get our focus on him. And to help us proclaim the Lord's death. We need the reminder. That's why I pray before I eat. There's no scripture that says we have to pray before we eat. Yeah, most people do that. And I, I love the gesture. Lord, thank you for this meal. I mean, of all the things I'm doing, all the busy things I'm doing in my job, the business, the ministry, Lord, I thank you. I want to pause before I even partake. Say thank you. Not just for this meal, but for the people who I'm eating this meal with and everything you're doing. We need that reminder to proclaim his death, proclaim his goodness in our lives. Even if it's just a crumb. Okay. Now, I want to switch gears. This is actually what I'm going to teach this week. Because I didn't finish last week, so I just finished last week's next message. I only have about 15 minutes left, so I'll just start it and then we'll go over the next few weeks. This, this message was going. This segment of this message was going to take a couple weeks anyway. So I want to now talk about different ways to receive our healing. These are not the only ways, but there's different ways to receive healing. Okay. Uh, let, 
let me also make mention, and you can get this later, I'll, I'll post it in the comments later on, on, on Facebook and whatnot, but if you go to Andrew Womack's website, and I gave you the address here, you can read many healing journey testimonies of people getting healed from all kinds of different illnesses and diseases and whatnot. And uh, uh, there's a, these are videos, documentary videos. Some of them are lengthy, some are shorter than others. But there's a wealth of, of journey. Sometimes we need to hear some other people's testimonies of what God has done regarding healing. He has some other testimonies of faith journeys, of financial uh, journeys and whatnot. And, but uh, I'm talking about healing, so that's what I'm going to highlight right now. Okay, we're going to be talking about different ways to receive healing. Let me just preface it by saying this. There's no wrong way to get healed. Okay, if you get healed through a doctor, if you get healed through herbs and spices, if you get healed, uh, however you get healed, praise God, you got healed. I'm never going to mock someone getting healed, uh, no matter how it was done. If you were in pain, if you were sick, if you are dying and you are healed and you are whole, praise God. There's not a wrong way. Okay? I'm just one, as a pastor, as a leader, as a teacher of the word, I want to teach you that there are some ways that we can get healed. And I'll, I'll explain some of that further as we go forward. The all, but all these methods that I'm going to be talking about to receive healing have a measure of faith involved. All of them. There might be different methods, and that might not be the, the best cho choice of words. But they all we they all involve faith. Faith is always part of a recipe, if you will. Okay, faith has to be involved to some measure to receive from the grace of God. You can't receive from God's grace without faith. And even though there's different me methods or ways to get healed, they all involve faith to to a measure. Okay, and so. There are different ways to receive healing because we are all in different places in our life in our walk with God, in our walk of faith. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different upbringings. We all have different ways we process things. It doesn't change the word. The word works. The word it doesn't change the seed. But it does change how we're receiving the seed. And for example, Sherry and I have been talking about in our backyard that we have here how we would love to in, in time grow it and whatnot. For one, some people might plant flowers in the ground. Some people might plant flowers in a pot. Some people might plant flowers in a flower box. Some people might plant flowers just in a tub. You know, a, a tote. Uh, uh, honestly, it has some soil in there. Most things will grow. Uh, they might grow, might grow to, you might have a hard time planting a tree in some, some a flower box, but at least start. You know, and so um, some things need a certain amount of sunshine, some need a certain amount of water, and some you can water too much, too much sunshine, too much shade, or whatnot. But the point is that there are different methods of how we can do it, but the seed is still going to, you're still going to have to cooperate with the seed for it to grow. You can't just pick your own way of doing it. Some seeds, you know, you can't just take an avocado seed and just take it out of an avocado plant. You're going to have to let it dry out first. And that can take a while. That can take sometimes weeks and months before it gets to a place where you can even plant the seed. Um, you have to cooperate with the process. But uh, where you plant the avocado seed can be different. Some people might plant it in the pot. Some people plant it in a big pot. Uh, or some people might plant it in the ground or whatnot. But some people now you, some seeds you, you know you're not you're not going to you're not going to be able to grow them in a colder environment. Some seeds are not going to be able to grow them in a warm environment. 
So, you know, you, you got to cooperate with the process, but how you, the method of how you do it can vary sometimes from, from, from place to place. Am I making sense? Okay? And so, we're all in our different ways in, in, our, in our walk with faith. And I see this as the goodness of God. See, God not only wills to heal us, but we're all in our different places in our walk. I'm not saying one person's better than another, but we are all have different, we bring all bring different things to the table of how we receive. Okay? And this guy goes with the parable of the sower. Some people still have some thorns in there. Some people have some rocks in there. And so it's only going to grow so far. But that's not so much what I'm talking about in this. But all of us are at different levels in our understanding of God. I'm going to give you some examples of some things at this moment here. Most of us have changed since we've been walking with God. I've been walking with God for a few decades now. I'm not the same I was when I was in my teens and my, my young adolescence and even as a child. I've grown. I've matured in some areas. Some areas, I don't think I've matured as much. You can ask my wife and even my mom. Okay? But most of us have changed in our walk with God through the years. We mat it's called maturity. It's called growing. It's called, you know, most of us are growing and are knowing. I didn't, not what I'm teaching on healing now, I didn't know what 15, 20, 30 years ago. I taught healing, but I taught it a totally different perspective. But we have seen people healed of cancer in our church. We have seen people raised from the dead, so to speak. This church, I'm not going to go on all that teaching right now. We have seen people uh, delivered from various things and illnesses, diseases, and even lifestyles. We have seen them, you know. And so, but receiving from God, some things are just easier to understand than others. Some people are easier to understand about healing than they do finances because they, whatever they're going through, or whatever they whatever they bring to the table with that. Some people receive from financial miracles more than they see from physical healings. Because to them, some things are just easier to understand about finances versus healing, or healing versus finances, or, or whatnot. Some people, it's not a hard thing to heal from a common cold, but when you start talking about AIDS, or COVID, or cancer, you know, or, I mean, and some people can handle that. Versus... Uh, they're missing a whole arm, and you want the whole arm to grow out. Or they're missing an eye, or they're blinded. Some people, some things are just easier to understand and comprehend better than and to receive. Some people, this is just a little big, this is a little over the top. This is about, about my pain grade, so to speak. You know, God creating a brand new arm is no different than God healing the common cold. To God. But to us, it might be a little different. And so it might affect our receiver. It doesn't affect God, it affects us to receiving the miracle. Okay? And so, some methods are more comfortable for people than others. You know, Jesus, talk about blind men. He spat in one man's eye, he put mud in another, which was basically saliva, mixed with mud. He just, he just spoke over some. We'll look at another one later, I don't know if we'll get there today. The deaf man, he put the fingers in his ears and, and, and hand on his tongue. You know, if, you're, if you can't speak, I'm probably not going to put my hand on your tongue. I'm probably just going to speak to you. That's a little gross to me. That I'm not comfortable with that. But that doesn't mean you can't receive your healing. That not mean we don't have to go spit on everybody. We don't have to put mud on everybody. You know, but 
the, the Wigglesworth did a lot of weird, interesting things, but he saw a lot more interesting, he saw a lot more results than most of us have seen. Catherine Coleman, the same, and, and other things, other people. They were comfortable with that, and they had a deeper understanding about healing than some of us had. But they all had different methods of how they demonstrated it, how, how it was, how it came across. But if they got healed, I'll go with Wigglesworth or Catherine Coleman or, or I seen uh, I seen a five year old lay hands on a blind person and they got healed. It's not by age. It's by you understanding the word of God and the knowledge of God and you being comfortable. I seen more miracles from children than I have from adults because we we get our unbelief in a way. You know, and so and so, so there's some things that 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 differentiate if I said that word right, uh, from how a receiver. God didn't change. Just some of us have a better receiver in some areas, in some methods. Okay? Just like we all have different computers and, and phones and, 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 and routers for Wi-Fi and everything. Some of our phones receive better than others. It's not the, it's not the signals that are our problem. It's sometimes it's just our sticking phone or router or whatever the, the device that we're using. There are different methods some, I can get internet on my phone, I can get on my computer, I can get on my iPad, I can get on, you know, there's hearing aids that can actually uh, do, do internet. You know, I mean, there's different methods. The internet's the same. The method, the, the device to receive it are different. That makes sense? Okay? And so, I'll add to this in just a moment. Some of us were uncomfortable the first time that we went to church. First time you ever stepped on the church, some of you were very uncomfortable. Are they going to mock me? Are they going to make fun of me? What are they going to require of me? I, I didn't have a I grew up in church, so, and my wife did too, so we, don't, we can't relate to that. But some people, they were nervous going to church the first time. Okay, Some of us were uncomfortable the first time we lifted our hands in worship. Some of us are still uncomfortable doing that. Some of us were sweating bullets, butterflies in our stomach. What are people thinking of us or whatever? It's the first time we spoke in tongues. Some of us felt uncomfortable. Some of us still are uncomfortable about that. Uh, the first time you taught a Bible study or preached or gave your testimony, you were uncomfortable. But my point is, sometimes we're all different levels, not because some are dumber than others, it's just some of us have matured. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm more comfortable in some areas or whatnot. Some of us have got our feet wet a little bit. Some of us have, are still spreading our wings. Okay, we have all had immaturities we've had to work through on different levels, on different subject matters, and different topics. But not only are some things easier and more comfortable for some people, all methods testify of God's will to heal. And all methods are an extension of God's compassion for people. I didn't put it on this screen, but I said already, all methods require faith in God, not us, and not the person. And not anything else. God wants to meet us where we're at. Okay? If you are not comfortable with spitting on blind people, then God will meet you with your eyes to speaking to blind people. Am I making sense with that? That's not so much what I'm talking about, but I'm using that as an example. God will meet you where you're at. Okay? Religion has painted the image that God is way over there somewhere. He's in the cosmos. He's in the third heaven or beyond. Okay? We, 
religion has paid, paid, paid the image that we have to become like this or we have to become like that. That's religion. That's not what God says. Jesus has simply said, go heal the sick. Raise the dead, cast out devils. Okay. Religion has paid the image that we have to, to become like this. We have to look like this. We have to look like that. Or we have to quit this or to become closer to God before God can use us. That is also true. Okay. Look at the centurion. God met him where he was at. Look at the, the Syrophoenician woman who God said, uh, uh, I'm not given to the, the, uh, only to the lost tribes of Israel. And he, she asked, he said, uh, uh, you're a dog. In certain respects, they didn't have to become something. They just had to receive the goodness of God. Some people think that you have to be saved to get healing. I've seen a lot of lost people get healed. And after they got healed, they received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I've seen people get healed before they received Christ and were born again. That is not a criteria to receive from God. Is getting your healing more important than being saved? No. I'd rather you go to heaven and be with, uh, be saved with that broken broken arm, that COVID, whatever it might be. Uh, that is more important. But you don't have to just choose one or the other. I've seen many people come to the kingdom because God met them where they were at and they received their healing and they said there is a God and I want to receive it. My God can love me that much. He knows what I've done. He knows what I like, and he healed me, he healed my mom, he healed this, I want to receive that God. I've seen God use healing as a main evangelistic tool to bring people into the kingdom and to magnify the goodness of God because it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. Okay. No, the, the good news of pure Christianity is God has come to us. I just put you back to what this is not how God paints a picture. God paints a picture that pure Christianity is God has come to us in the person of Jesus. And God meets you right where you are. And God meets you the way you are. Okay? And then, after he meets you, by your faith in his grace, he, not you, makes you who you ought to be in him. You don't change you. He changes you. You come, you meet him the way you are, like you are, as you are, and he, by your faith and his grace, he makes you, he changes you, he transforms your life. Instead of being a sinner and acting like a sinner, you now become and act like a child of God. And some of us, that's a process. It's called maturing. It's called being discipled. He doesn't call, make us make converts now Overnight, we're living holy. Some of us need to be cleaned up. We've been, we've, he said that we can go make fishes of men. How do you know when you catch the fish, sometimes you got to clean them up? And that is a process. Not a condemning process, but as a process that we need to change our behavior. And how do we change our behavior? We have to change our nature first. You can't change. Even if you change your behavior, but you don't become born again, what good is that? Who wants to be the best sinner in hell? you got to become born again. And he, by his grace, begins to change you uh, from the inside out. Okay? Jesus wants to touch your life no matter where you're at. And Jesus wants to change and transform your life no matter where you're at, what you've done. 
Is God God want you to continue in sin? Since uh, are we supposed to continue it? No. But let him change you. You cannot change yourself without him. That's religion. That's antichrist. That, that's not Christianity. Christianity is God changing you from the inside out. Not you changing yourself like an outside in. I always compare it between a Christmas tree and a fruit tree. I love Christmas trees. But Christmas trees, I mean, you know, when Christmas time comes, we usually adorn them with things that are not as nature. We put lights on, we put tinsel on it, we put uh, all kinds of ornaments on them. That tree did not grow those things. You, you decorated it. But a fruit tree grows it from within, naturally. An apple tree is not going to produce oranges unless it's gra grafted into an orange tree. Then it's not, no longer going to be an apple tree, it's an orange tree. Okay? And so it grows from the inside out. And a, 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 a pine tree, and most of our Christmas trees are fake. And so, and even though they're not fake, they're dying. They're in water, but they're, they're, they're on their last leg. Okay, they're dying. And you're, you're decorating them nice and pretty as they're just sitting there dying. You know, but at the same point, I know that's negative. I need to change that image. But at the same point in time, my point is, I'm just making a comparison here. Religion will have you change your life from the outside in. Versus God through his true Christianity. God changing you from the inside out. And you bring fruit, meat for repentance. The fruit of righteousness, the fruit of holiness that comes from God, not you. Okay? We are all in different stages in our walk with God and our maturity with Him. And so, with that, I introduce you. I'm not going to get very far. I'm actually out of time. But I mean, I'll introduce you to the six uh, methods, and then uh, I'm going to at least name them, and then we're going to look at them next week. Okay? Six methods to receiving your hearing. And I, these are not the only six, but these are six that we're going to be talking about. The first one is laying on of hands. We're going to look at this pretty, pretty extensively because we have a lot of examples of laying on of hands of both Jesus and also the, the apostles, the disciples. Okay. Another method is anointing with oil. We're going to look at at least two examples. Some people think there's only one in the book of James. There's actually two uh, in the New Testament. Anointing uh, with oil. The prayer of agreement. We see this a lot in Scripture. We're going to look at this as well. The gifts of the Spirit. Paul talks about this, and we see this in other places as well. We're going to look at the gifts of the Spirit. And then we're going to be get faith in God's Word. Maybe I've seen people get healed. I've seen people get healed in the middle of the message. No one laid hands on them. No one touched them. They didn't go off of prayer. They just heard the Word of God and received it and believed it and were healed. And were born again, even born again. Okay? Uh, so we've seen that as well. Uh, we'll also, with this, we'll also touch on the name of Jesus as well. Because I mean, you know Jesus is the living word. Okay? And then we'll look at signs and wonders. Okay? Uh, also, look at the mysteries of God's sovereignty. And the right context of sovereignty. Some people use sovereignty in the wrong way. Uh, and they, they say God is sovereign in a way that is inconsistent with the definition of what sovereignty is. I'm not talking about that type of sovereignty. I'm talking about sovereignty in its true form and its true uh, integrity. Uh, but we're going to look at signs and wonders. Sometimes it's just an awesome sign and wonder. And how do you know some sign and wonder, some miracles are just not explainable. That's the whole idea why you use the word miracle. <laughs> if you can explain a miracle, it's not a miracle. It's just not. Some things just don't have an explanation. It's just a miracle from God. And so that's a, that is another method. If you got healed because of a miracle, that is not a wrong way to get healed. Praise God. 
But I'm also going to speak some things. We don't want to be living. A lot of times if we're living from miracle to miracle, we're also living from problem to problem. And I'm going to be talking to later as well. We can walk in divine health. For example, I have a, like I said before, I've said many times, I will continue to say, I have not had a major illness or sickness like a cold, flu, or cool. Anyway, um, I don't know what that is. COVID or whatnot in, since 2009. I, I just refuse to participate. Have I had things come on where I felt a scratchy throat come on? Yes, I rebuke it in Jesus' name and it, it goes. Okay? I still have this lingering cough and asthma and, and I, I, I need to deal with that. I still have a hearing deficiency. I need to deal with that. Okay? I'm not okay with that. I'm not excusing that. And I'll, I'll speak to that, towards that later. Okay? Um, I'm not giving excuses for it. I'm not blaming anyone but me about those two things. Okay? But at the same point in time, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, one of these methods is not better than the others. Whether you got laid on hands, oil, or both together, or you just heard the word of faith. One's not more better than others. There's different methods of how you can get healed. And they're all supported in Scripture. But all of these have an element of faith in them. All of these are trusting God. All of these, in some regard, have a place of obedience towards God and His Word. Obedience is good when we... It, 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 People use obedience in a, in a negative way when they're trying to earn their healing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about putting faith in God. And faith without works is dead. And there's a response to God's word. And that obedience is faith. Okay. So we'll be talking about these things in the next seven weeks. Um, and so uh, as we uh, talk about this some more. So anyway, we're again, we're talking about such a great salvation. We're talking about the benefits of salvation. Salvation, how it relates to healing. And we'll be going over these six methods over next week. All right? God bless you guys. Have a great week. Again, happy Independence Day to those who are in the United States and celebrating with us. And God we trust. God bless America. Amen. I want